0: Hey Troops, it's your old buddy Bucho. just dropping in here at the start of the episode to apologize because there is a weird sort of knocking noise in this episode. It's on my mic. It's my fault. I still don't actually know what it was, but I just want to put in a warning here at the start so that if you're listening to the episode and you're hearing this knocking noise and you're looking around, what is that noise? It's not you. It's not something in your room or in your car. It's me. It's my microphone. So apologies again for that noise. I'll try to make sure it doesn't happen again. So let's get on with it. Enjoy the episode.
1: Trace and I keep our distance from the Jedi, or any topsiders for that matter. Oh, shut up, Rafa! I don't think so. Not if Miss High Ideals here is gonna lecture me about morality. A couple of years ago, there was a prison break on the surface of Coruscant, where you live. Some gangster named Zero. Then came the Jedi. We watched, like so many others, as they chased Zero and his gang down the portal, leaping from speeder to speeder as they went. Finally, some red-eyed alien protecting Zero blasted the engine of an ascending cargo transport. The ship went spiraling out of control. The Jedi went into action, tried to gain control of the ship. There was a populated landing platform right in the path of the ship, but the Jedi steered it clear of that right into the portal wall. And on the other side of that wall was our home. Mom and Dad saw it coming. They got Rafa I out. But they weren't so lucky. The Jedi didn't even catch Zero. The distraction of the ship helped him get away. Afterward, the Jedi came back and one of them came over to me. I'll never forget it. She was beautiful dark robes contrasting against her light green skin, penetrating eyes. She looked at me, and you know what she said? (laughs) She said, I had to make a choice, but not to worry, the force will be with you. That's it. Then she was off, and Trace and I were left without parents, without a home. Just left there to find our way in their system. I've spent every day since building a new life for me and Trace. And it's about us, not depending on Jedi or these criminals or anyone else. We make our own rules and we survive just fine. That is until Trace let you tag along.
2: I'm so sorry. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the Clone Army of the Republic and their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists! So step in and prepare for adventure, because it's time to Send in the Clones! In this episode, held captured by the dastardly Pike Crime Syndicate and constantly in a state of disagreement, a soaker and the Montez sisters make a daring bid for an escape! Although their attempt is ultimately foiled, Raffer eventually takes responsibility for the predicament, showing there is still hope for this wild and ambitious scoundrel.
0: Hey, chups, it's your old buddy, Bucho. The Clone Wars rookie on my first watch of The Clone Wars, and next to me in the dropship, he's watched the first six seasons of The Clone Wars three whole times. He's the Ahsoka to my mate sisters. It's just about, Robbie. Welcome, everyone. We are going to talk about the 128th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology Written by Darvi Filonai and Charles Murray. Directed by Saul Ruiz and Bosco Ng. This is Season 7, Episode 7, Dangerous Debt. So Robbie, we're still sort of uh, inventing how we intro the show here. So let's try this one with you reminding us how you felt about the story so far from the previous two episodes.
3: Yeah, the, the first episode is kind of a reintroduction to Ahsoka and her running into Rafa and Trace and setting up their whole dynamic in that first episode. And then in the second episode, they hatch this plan that doesn't go well. And I mean, honestly, the first episode was, for me, it wasn't bad, but it, it still seemed like, why is Ahsoka letting herself get drawn into this kind of drama? Not only between the sisters themselves, but between the sisters and whatever criminal elements that they've gotten tangled with, and it's just like, I, I don't understand why we're doing this, especially when, you know, we have a limited amount of time left with the Clone Wars, you know, and there's other characters that might have been, I don't know, a little more interesting to follow around, like bounty hunters, or... I mean, there's there's all kinds of things that you can say, the what-ifs and the, you know... But that's not our job. Our job is to review what we got, not what could have been, right? So, right. for me... I just say that, you know, those first two episodes were a little strange for me because as someone who's a big fan of the Jedi, maybe not their methods, but the idea of the the peacekeeper, the justice seeker, you know? I find this strange for someone like Ahsoka to be involved with these kinds of people, so for me it sort of, in a way, it taints my view of the episodes and I mean, I don't know, I'm hoping for more, and I'm hoping for a good resolution to this set of episodes. I mean, I don't want it to be something where, on a rewatch, down the road, I go, yeah, I just don't feel like watching those. You know, I want every episode to be something I want to watch again. But, it's not all about me, right? I mean, you know, there's plenty of people out there that probably love these episodes and think they're awesome. But, I mean, for me so far... I've just been a little lukewarm to him.
0: Well, of course, in this episode, Ahsoka explicitly states why she's gotten mixed up with these two sisters. But before we get there, we've got to talk about how Season 7, Episode 7, Dangerous Debt, opens with our heroes behind bars. Arguing about whose fault it is that they're locked up in a Pike prison. A very familiar Star Warsy type situation. A very Luke, Leia, and Han from A New Hope, which was a lot of arguing. Only here... The story gets even heavier than the new hope ever got as we learn one that thing that you call the hole and i call the shaft is actually known by locals as the portal and two we learn that trace and rafa were orphaned during cad bane's breakout of good old zero the hut which we saw in season one episode 22 hostage crisis hostage crisis (laughs) the 51st episode in the star wars.com clone wars chronology And we hear about how a beautiful Jedi with dark robes and light green skin and penetrating eyes looked at Rafa and told Rafa, I had to make a choice, but not to worry. The Force will be with you. And then Rafa gets taken away to be treated to another good old Star Wars tradition. Well, Clone Wars tradition, Star Wars tradition. She gets taken away to be tortured by electrocution. So Rafa just becomes more and more like Han Solo with every passing episode, and I'm gonna ask you who you guessed that this beautiful Jedi with the dark robes was, well. so I've got kind of an idea, but how, what did you think of learning a bit more about Trace and Rafa's backstory, Robbie?
3: Well, I mean, first, I think she's talking about Luminara Unduli, Yeah, right? it seems like it. Yeah, she's the only one that I can think of with green skin. You know, when she said that, it kind of made me go, okay, well, it's got to be Luminara, right?
0: Of course, there are supposed to be, what, 15,000 Jedi all across the galaxy, so it could just be someone we don't know about. But, right. yeah, I thought of Luminara, too. I'm with you on that one.
3: Yeah, and, I mean, in a way, it's, it's this, uh, you know, I, I've, I've said before many times that I really gravitate toward, you know, characterization and character motivation. And you know, it's always welcome to me in any form, and I almost feel like, in a way... This story about Rafa and Trace's parents being killed in this conflict with the you know Jedi and the bounty hunters, I kind of feel like it's it's something that I w- I wish it had come earlier, you know, and I wish I'd gotten that. I mean, m- maybe this is the perfect place. I mean, again, we haven't seen the whole the whole arc yet, but it almost feels like I would have been on their side a little more earlier if this had happened earlier in in this story, but. At the same time, it it also feels. I mean, the first thing I thought of, I don't know about you, but for me, the first thing I thought of was Captain America Civil War when, you know, the whole Sokovia Accords and, you know, that movie starts off with Scarlet Witch, you know, basically trying to prevent an explosion going off and in the process ends up hmm, making it just as bad by exploding it next to a, looks like an apartment complex. Sure. So it's one of those things where, you know, there's that sort of collateral damage that happens in in big conflicts, stuff that we've talked about many times during the course of this series, is that it seems like, wow, that looked like that caused a lot of damage, you know? <laughs> yeah. And we don't, yep. you know, the story doesn't stop to think about or to talk about, you know, what that damage is to, you know, the, the locals. So, I mean, it was kind of, even though I kind of found it a, a bit derivative of that Civil War storyline, I really kind of appreciated that. Because it kind of gives you a, I guess, a larger view of, of what the Jedi have to deal with. You know, I mean, it's sort of like the age-old Superman-type conflicts. You know, where it's not just about stopping the villain, it's protecting the innocent. And I think that's something that's, like I said, it was a dynamic that I don't think has really been explored really in Star Wars before. I mean, think about all the, all the uh, conflicts with, between the Rebels and the Empire. With collateral damage never talked about never you know it's kind of interesting you know funny the you know very famous conversation in clerks about the workers yeah. the, you know the the regular construction workers working on the death star that that got you know vaporized when the rebels came in to destroy it but it's actually kind of an interesting philosophical question to have is you know when, when you have heroes like this they have to sometimes make the hard choice so I found that very welcome. And then, yeah, we get electrocution again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny you brought up Superman because one of the things I thought of was discussions we've had about Man of Steel and how Superman is kind of, he's weird and alien in that story because he doesn't seem to care about collateral damage. He just seems to shrug it off. But one thing it did remind me of was the way that Luke kind of is drawn into the whole Star Wars story almost because of collateral damage, because his aunt and uncle get taken out, not because they're after him per se, because they're after some droids that just happen to have fallen into their possession. And so in a lot of ways, Luke's whole involvement and the thing that gets him over that threshold, you know, gets him to answer the call, to talk in Hero's Journey terms, is kind of a collateral damage thing, you know, from a certain point of view.
3: That's actually, that's quite astute. I didn't actually think about that in those terms, because I've always thought that that was part of the main... I mean, maybe I, you, you could see it in a couple of different ways, but to me it's like that is something that the Empire is doing. That's not something from inaction or from direct action... You know, something bad comes out of that. But anyway, good I mean, it's, it is it is kind of an interesting point of view, though, for sure.
0: And, of course, we've talked about Rafa going and getting taken away to be tortured in kind a of Han Solo-like, and then she gets dumped back in her cell, very Han Solo-like. And that's when Trace loses her cool, and she gets taken away for questioning, except unlike Rafa... Trace manages to escape, and then Ahsoka force picks the cell door lock, and then she escapes along with Rafa, and soon, they're on the run inside the prison, and then they're on the run outside the prison, and they're jumping over yawning gaps and walkways, and I gotta say, Robbie, I straight up loved this thing with Rafa yelling at Ahsoka, if you can't make it, we'll come back for you, and then she turns to Trace and says, let's get out of here, she won't make it, It <laughs> cracked crack me up out loud. And I love that even more, when they miss Ahsoka's jump because they're kind of arguing, and Rafa says, she didn't make it. That's terrible. (laughs) Obviously can't deliver it like Elizabeth Rodriguez did, but I have to ask you there, Robbie. Have you ever been force-lifted by a Jedi to help you jump across a chasm? And if so, did you notice that you had been force-lifted? Or did you just feel like you had done a much better jump than you thought?
3: I can't say that I have ever knowingly been force lifted but there has been many times when I've done something probably rather stupid and was kind of amazed at the I guess that I landed it or whatever there's there's been many times close calls you you might say but who knows I mean there might have been some Jedi around I wouldn't know
0: how did you like this comedic stuff I mean Rafa (laughs) the stuff that I was just talking about it made me laugh each of these episodes with the Mate sisters so far has had moments that have made me laugh. Well, definitely in the previous episode anyway. And this, I just really enjoy Elizabeth Rodriguez's delivery. I haven't seen her in anything else. Apparently she's in Orange is the New Black. I knew nothing about it, but I love the way she's playing Raffer. And I love that Raffer is still this callous character who doesn't really have a lot of time for Ahsoka at this point in the episode.
3: Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I really laughed like, like out loud or anything, but... I don't know if it's because I'm finally warming up to these characters a little bit more, but I, I did enjoy being with these characters more than in the previous two episodes. So I guess that that is something, right?
0: That is definitely something, Robbie. And you know what else is something? It's that after the daring escape, they all split up again. Ahsoka heads off to open the gates, which she does in her usual acrobatic style. I think she takes out, what, five or six guards on her own. And then the Martez sisters take on the job of distracting the guards, which they do in their usual ineffective style until Ahsoka steps in to secretly force lift some of their targets out into the open to make them easier to blast That seems like a new thing. I don't think we've seen that before ever in any Star Wars thing, have we? I mean you've seen Rebels and I haven't and neither of us have really seen resistance But that thing where a Jedi secretly pushes enemies out into the open so they can be shot dead In a way that's kind of cold, but in another way, it's the pikes and they're the bad guys and they're trying to torture our heroes So good I was happy to see them shut down. But then after a short respite from fleeing Robbie, in which Trace spots the Silver Angel perched high on a landing platform, the trio are briefly on the run again before Trace and Rafa are re by the pikes. But not without escaping the notice of another trio, a threesome of Mandalorians including Dun 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 Bo-Katan Robbie, who references her earlier encounter with Ahsoka on Karlak In Season 4, Episode 14, A Friend in Need, the 80th episode of the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology. And she also references a common enemy, which we can take to be the Pike Crime Syndicate, who are part of Maul's Shadow Collective. How did you like this development when they escape again, get caught again, Bo-Katan turns up?
3: Well... I mean, there's a lot to take away from this, I guess, because it's really a a very action-heavy act two and three in this this episode. I mean, for me, there's just little callbacks and little little Easter eggs for those of us that have been Star Wars fans for a long time. I mean, when uh, Trace kicks open a door, there's a hammerhead and a Thorian. He's one of the OG Star Wars action figures. I mean, right. he's even got the blue shirt. I mean, that's just the cool little thing. And even the Snaggletooth at the very beginning yeah. is being led through the uh, the prison there. Those kinds of things are always fun. One of the things that you know you had mentioned in the first two episodes how it felt very Disney-fied in a way. And then this episode, yeah. man, the violence is uh, its pretty rough. Yeah. I mean, you've got the electrocution. You've got the pike being crushed in between the two platforms. You get multiple pikes being blown up and shot and all kinds of things. It gets more hardcore in this episode. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's crazy. And I have to say, from a, I don't even know what you would call me when you think about like Star Wars fans, right? I think there's different levels of Star Wars fans. All are welcome and all are just as valid, but I feel like there's some people that are definitely more, you know, they like the crime element. Some people like the Sith, some people like the Jedi. And for me, the idea of even though there's villains present, using the force to push them out of hiding so they can be shot and killed just (laughs) seems, um, wow. You know, I mean, I'm not saying it's on the level, as I said before force chokes or, you know, using the lightning or anything like that. But man, that's, um, that's something else. I'm curious as to how other people will take that or if, you know, they're just caught up in the episode and are completely fine with it. But for me, it seems like, wow, that's, that seems like it's stepping over a bit of a line here. But at the same time, Ahsoka has pointed out, especially in this episode, that she's found herself in this situation people need help and she's gonna do it no matter what it takes so in a way she sort of set the stage for that kind of thing but i still feel like it's a line that i'm like man that's uh wow okay it's an interesting line i guess
0: well the decisions that they made in this episode robbie unhappily for our heroes sees the episode wrap up soon afterward them back in the custody of the Pikes following a brief rescue attempt by Ahsoka and some kind of utility speeder and there at the end we get the first signs of some kind of character development for Rafa. We get the first signs of humility so although the episode finishes in the same location our heroes finish the episode in a much more contemplative and much more apparently unified frame of mind than when they began in the episode and the very final shot of the episode of course is the three of them lining up all facing in the same direction when at the start of the episode they had all been and in the previous episodes there had been a lot of arguing a lot of pulling in different directions so just as a piece of cinematic storytelling I enjoyed the way the episode ended and really drove home that while on the surface it seems like they've gone nowhere you know, not far beneath the surface, there's been a ton of character development in this episode.
3: No, I agree with you. And that's one of the things that I really appreciated about it. Especially there's uh, that one conversation that Rafa and Ahsoka had talking about, you know, this life. Oh, I wonder if trace is cut out for this life. And Right. You kind of get the, at least from me, who's, you know, watched tons of stories about all kinds of things. Crime and families that get drawn into it and sort of innocent people who get drawn into the life and then you know tragically meet ends I wonder if that's what we're gonna see I don't know how they're they're gonna wrap this up because we've really only got this next episode to wrap up this arc right so it's gonna be interesting to see how they decide to wrap it up because to me it feels like you've got Rafa who's been on this you know I've been doing all this to protect her and to and to be you know to be the only family that that Trace has and all of this But are these decisions that she's making going to affect Trace in a negative way? Even more negative than we are at at this moment. And that's kind of the thing that it's the the big thing that I took away from the episode is that Rafa is finally not sure of her place. I mean, it's an interesting way to end it and to lead us into the next episode.
0: Well, I just mentioned uh, one of the striking shots of the episode, Robbie. I don't know if that was your standout shot of the episode because you haven't told me what your standout shot of the episode? was, so how about at this moment, you tell us, what was your favorite shot of Dangerous Debt?
3: My favorite shot was sort of a number of shots, and it's probably pretty obvious. It's the explosions as they're running toward the camera. The camera's kind of coming away, and all the explosions happening in the background. What I liked about it is the framing. It's almost like the camera's almost at, almost ground level as they're running. There were just some striking shots. It's something I uh, I really enjoyed.
0: Yeah, this whole... I mean, we're going to get repetitive. This whole season just looks so awesome in, in so many ways. And this episode is, continues that trend. And I was this close to calling out that final shot of the episode just as a piece of really strong cinematic storytelling. But I went for a shot that was a little bit more playful. It does involve those three. And it was seeing Trace, Rafa, and Ahsoka through the hologram of Trace Rapper and Ahsoka, when the Goat Man mm. points them out to the Pike Cops. I just thought it was a fun, sort of playful, slightly comedic moment, you know, and uh, I'm all about the comedic moments, Robbie. So before we bring this one up for a landing, we need to sum up and give our ratings. So after your first, well, shall we say second, your, after your two watches of Season 7, Episode 7, Dangerous Debt, how did you like it, and where does Dangerous Debt sit on that four-star Robbie scale?
3: this one's tough for me because I have to sit and think about what do I like in Clone Wars type episodes and even though I enjoyed this one probably the most out of the three I still can't find that I can recommend it like for me it's I don't know it's a strange thing here so I'm I'm really close you know what I'm just gonna give it a three because it is better to me than the previous two episodes I gave a 2.75 for the first one a 2.5 for the last one so yeah It just makes sense, right? Sure.
0: Yeah, what's one of the tricks with... I mean, I don't look at them the same way you do. I don't sort of think of it as recommending to anyone. That's something that I guess, you know, comes from your way of looking at movies and TV sort of through a Roger Ebert kind of lens, you know, because generally a critic will see a movie before everyone else and you'll go to a critic to decide whether you're going to watch it. And it's hard to do that with these episodes because... They're part of a whole story. Right. You know, they're part of a larger arc. And just deciding whether you're going to recommend a particular episode or not is tough to do. So for me, it's a lot easier because all I do is look at it and ask myself, how much did I enjoy it? Basically, how much did it do for me? How much did I learn from it? and so I give it seven a secret Ahsoka Jedi tricks out of ten I've said I think in previous episodes how much I like that Rafa reminds me of Han Solo you know I still carry on along that path in this episode and you know seeing her get torched and then dump back on her shell it's like yeah I wasn't imagining things This she's a very, and in a way Trace with her naivety and the way she keeps getting herself into trouble she's a lot like Luke you know in some ways she's childish and naive and you know that's what a lot of star wars fans say about Luke. i mean it's what we all say about luke and it's kind of the point i mean the point of the ot is that luke starts out as a very naive kid grows up into become a man and i don't know what trace's trajectory is but you know she started off naive and wide-eyed and wanting to go out into the wider galaxy very much like luke so i've enjoyed these two characters more and more with each episode and that's mission accomplished the season seven episode seven dangerous debt so robbie Would you please take a moment to let all the troops out there know what are our communications channels?
3: Sure. We are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, on Twitter, and on Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y.
0: Yes, sir. And, of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 129th episode of the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 7, Episode 8. Did you see what the title of this next episode is, Robbie? I did not. Together, again, it's going to be called, Robbie... What do you think that could mean? Should I even ask you? Because we try not to set up expectations, right? (laughs) We try not to speculate. That's one of your things. Don't try and speculate too much. All you're going to do is ruin it for yourself. So let's just say, until then, this is your old buddy boot show, alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out.
2: Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing this show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Buccio and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Robbie at gmail.com.
3: May the force be with you.
1: You see that? Come on, Ahsoka! If you can't make it, Ahsoka, we'll be back for you! Let's get out of here. She won't make it. We can't just leave her. Wait, where'd she go? She didn't make it. That's terrible. Ahsoka! I'm here. How'd you do that? I'm more athletic than I look. That's not normal. We don't have time to discuss this. Let's go. Guys, I'm sorry. Oh, I never should have taken this job. We live and learn, Rafa. Yeah, but for how much longer?